Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm the host of the show, Jan L. Burt. And I am so thankful that you have taken the time today to listen to episode number 142. As I'm recording this, it is early April of 2023, and we are in the midst of Easter week. This is the most important time of year for the Christian community, and in many ways for the Jewish community as they celebrate the Passover. The Lord really just kind of laid on my heart Psalm 23 for this week's show. I'm excited to jump in and talk about this unbelievably well-known psalm and how it can bring us hope as we look toward Resurrection Sunday. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show, part of the Spark Network, now playing via the Edify app. This is episode number 142. So for this episode, I'm going to read verses from Psalm 23, probably going to just stick with the Amplified Bible today for this show, and then I'm going to talk about Jesus and the resurrection and the hope that we have, hope that did not exist for us if Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. Like this is not beforehand hope. We who are Gentiles understand that we're grafted in, right? We are not among the original Israelite nation that God called out to become his own people who bore his name. We are blessed. We are blessed because of what Jesus did at the cross. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's like hope is kind of like gold, in that it's valuable in a special kind of way. Hope has a special kind of value. And we have hope because of the resurrection, because of the cross, the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. We have hope we didn't have before. Hope springs eternal. Isn't that what the saying says? And when our hope is based in Jesus, wow, it's eternal truth. Eternity is placed in the hearts of mankind by God. It's one of the many ways that he uses to draw us to himself. And, you know, he doesn't want any of us to perish. Not one. No, not one. Just as it says, who is good? No, not one. How many does God want to perish? No, not one. He really doesn't. He does not rejoice or celebrate in the death of the wicked even. This is who our God is. He doesn't want anybody to spend eternity apart from him. And apart from God is, that's eternity in hell. That's literally what it means. Hell is a real place. And, you know, I'm really sorry, honestly, if you were taught something different, if growing up, maybe you were taught that hell is um, not real or, um, you know, my husband was raised in, in um, I'm just going to call it what it is, in a cult, in a false religion, in a, in a system that's very much rooted in like Freemasonry type of things. And he was taught that hell was not real unless you were an apostate from the quote unquote, one true church, right? So, um, and then as a young adult in his early twenties, Jesus grabbed hold of him, saved him, 
snatched him out of that pit and changed him for time and all eternity and changed the trajectory of um, his entire life and his lineage. So is that not a beautiful thing? Yes, it is. Does my husband understand what hope really is? Yes, he does. And does he know now that what the Bible says about hell being real, that that's true versus what he was taught growing up? Yes, he knows the difference. He absolutely knows the difference. So um, look, there are, you know, but I don't want you to take my word for it or me sharing a little bit about my husband's story, his testimony. I want you to just take the Bible at face value. I really do mean that. It, treat it like it is the actual word of God written for you so that you can have an understanding of who God is, of how he operates, and of who his son is. That's what Easter really is all about. So if the Bible makes it perfectly clear that hell is real, um, then I'm going to take the authority of the Bible because I take the authority of the one who died for me. And I take that authority, the authority of Jesus over any other so-called authority. The founders, leaders, the gods of other religions, they did not go from being God to being a baby, then growing up to be a man, to be crucified, going willingly to the cross, and then rising again. Christianity is different in that regard. It's not like any other religious system period. And so, yes, I do believe that hell is real and that it has been prepared for Satan and for his demons. And those who do not yield their life to Jesus, that's the only other option there is when this life ends. That's just the way it is. It's not because God is cruel. God is so opposite of cruel that he actually gave his son to keep us from dealing with the wrath and punishment that's eternal, that is, that is intended for Satan, for the original rebel. So hope. Hope is critical for a disciple of Jesus. We need it, and he provides it. Isn't that always how it is? What we need, he provides? Verse 1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, to feed, to guide, and to shield me. I shall not want. Is. There's that powerful present tense verb, is. It doesn't say was. It doesn't say at some point later on. It just says is, right now, currently. He is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He guides us. Isn't that great news? Like hopeful news to be guided. You know, did Jesus suddenly stop guiding us, stop being our good shepherd after the ascension? No, he's guiding us right now. He's so great at being our guide that we should and must really as Christians trust him every moment of every day. And he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us so that we literally have God dwelling in us to guide us. We are not left without guidance, and that's such great news. He's a very good, very trustworthy shepherd. If you need guidance, he has it for you. That's the first thing I notice when I read this verse of this psalm, and I think about Easter. I have guidance now, and I did not have that before Jesus saved me. Without the cross, I don't have access to this. Whenever I need it, I have it, and that is really, truly powerfully amazing good news. And the Lord feeds us his sheep. He is our shepherd. Are there any areas of your life where you seem hungry right now? Or what about like starved right now? You know, have you ever heard of attention starved children? Do you feel at all attention starved? Are you starving or even just slightly hungered in any part of your life right now? The resurrected Jesus is the one who can feed you. You're not going to lack. You shall not want. I know that seems like too big of a promise for God to keep. I, I get that it can seem like that's big 
boy, that's big. Is that really, I know it's true, but is it like a hundred percent completely true all the time? It's, it can feel like it's a challenge to our faith to fully believe even just this one verse from Psalm 23. You know, we can all evaluate the state of the world, our personal experiences, um, people who just did not seem to uh, be dealt with when maybe we thought they should have be dealt with. Maybe, maybe a prayer wasn't answered the way we really thought it should have been answered. Maybe we flat out, we were not taken care of, like provided for at some point in time. We can look at all those things and use them as our legit reasons to just simply decide that we're not going to believe passages like this one because it's painful and it's dangerous and what if, what if, what if. But you know what? To what end? My New Testament says that he or she who endures to the end will be saved. Your New Testament, your Bible says the same thing. Not she who punches out when it gets challenging to believe all the things that the Bible promises. Not not you get to, you know, you're going to be saved if you endure halfway to the end. Jan, you're going to be saved if you just check out when it gets really tough in certain parts of your life. That's not what it says. It says, I need to endure to the end. Pray about those things that trip you up. And it is a tripping up that happens when you really are struggling to fully, totally believe God's promises and they're actually for you. Anything that hinders you from being able to endure to the end, that's tripping you up. So pray about those exact things. Talk to God about those exact areas where you're tempted to doubt him. Allow him to comfort you. He's not going to be able to comfort you if there are parts of your life that you never take to him and pray about and listen for his leading about. If you've got stuff that you've got put in little boxes in your heart and you don't think about it, let alone take it to the Lord. He cannot comfort you there. And guess what? That is probably the exact exact spot where you need comfort the most in your life. Let him speak to you on that exact issue. So sometimes you got to sit and be still and listen for what he wants to say. Open your Bible and read it and believe that God will speak to you through his word. You know, encourage encourage your own heart, I guess, is, is one way to say it. Like, um... Let him encourage you. You encourage your own heart to go spend time with the Lord, even uh, and talk about, pray about this one specific area where it's really scary for you, like the scariest thing of all. And then allow him to in turn encourage you, like give you actual courage that you need to keep on believing even when it seems impossible. And then you can move forward with the Lord. How can this happen if we don't allow him access to those parts of our life? If we're just like, I'm, I'm paying attention to you, Jesus, in this part of my life, at this moment in time, in these areas, at these, but this thing over here, I can't pay attention to you and talk to you about this because you know, the two have to be like separated somehow. How can he encourage you in that area where you need it most? If you don't kind of encourage yourself, force yourself to be brave enough to take it to him. Hold it out to him and say, Jesus, I'm going to give this to you. What can you do with it? Can you help me? Can you encourage me? I want to believe you. Even when it seems impossible, I want to believe you. Help me. And he will. He will. That's enduring. And that's a very different thing than many of us do when we bump up against doubts and don't let anybody tell you that, you know, that, well, I shouldn't say don't let anybody tell you, but uh, don't let me tell you that doubt isn't a real thing. It is. We're on this world 
on this planet, living here in a place that, that makes doubt easy and belief hard. Because Satan runs the world, like it or not. And guess what? He's going to constantly want us to doubt God. So he's going to be pushing us to bump up against doubts all the time. It's, we don't always endure when that happens, though. When we work harder at enduring in our jobs, at our workplaces, than we do in, say, our marriages, our parenting, our friendships, our walk with the Lord, isn't that kind of an indictment when we work hardest at our job and least at our, at our walk with the Lord, our marriages, our parenting? Isn't that an indictment? We've all heard that word indictment a lot the last couple of weeks if you live in America or probably any other westernized part of the world. I'm not, you know what I'm talking about. It's been in the news a lot. The indictment, the indictment. This man's been indicted. Okay, we, so we know what that word is. I used it because it's going to be fresh in your mind. It's going to be top of mind. Every one of us has heard that word indictment lately. And the reason is that it's a serious thing to be indicted. The news is throwing around that word because it's a, it's, means, hey, pay attention. This is serious. This is a big deal. We don't need to indict ourselves because we work harder in our workplaces than we do at our walk with the Lord. We work harder earning our paychecks than we do at trying to endure to the end and and really not just ignore the things that make us struggle and doubt, but turn them on their heads and find a way to believe again, to believe God again. We don't need that kind of indictment on our own lives of working harder at enduring at work or I, I endure, I work harder at enduring to be able to run a marathon. I work harder at uh, enduring to finish up this new hobby, to get really good at it. Should we be better at those things than we are at enduring with the Lord? One is vastly more critical than all of the others combined and then, and then multiplied by 10 million. Jesus said he would feed you, ask him to, and be specific. I need this many dollars to pay the car insurance this month. What's wrong with praying specifically like that? Nothing, nothing. And then just believe he's going to keep his word to you. Keep on loving him, keep on serving him, and keep on enjoying being a child of God. Enjoy being in his presence while you wait with expectation for him to do the feeding. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Okay, and then he says that he'll be our shield. He'll shield you. He'll shield me. When we need some protection, some extra covering, God is the one who can take care of you by shielding you. He's not saying he's sending a shield to you that you need to hold up. He's not saying I put the materials into, um, in, into the world for you to go scrounge around and then you know, figure out how to be a, a smelter of metal and create your own shield. He says he will shield you. Isn't that wonderful? I just love that. He is close to you, right there with you in those hard times. The phone rings. You see that number and the stress starts to increase because you know who this is and you know it's going to be conflict and this is not a fun conversation and oh, it's never good when this person calls to just waylay me and lay into me. Guess what? He's with you right there in that moment. That's a real world example of God being with you. And he will guide you and he will shield you and he will feed you. But you have got to be willing to take all the things to him and say, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Tell me what not to do. And boy, I'm not going to do that thing. That's part of the way that he provides for you. But if you don't listen and you don't respond and you never ask, you never communicate with him, you really can miss all of this love and care that he has for you. He's with you. 
in those very difficult moments. Remember that, and it's going to make it a lot easier for you to endure. Because he's going to give you the strength and the power, the wisdom and the knowledge, the insight. Sometimes we can't hang and endure because we went off and did what we wanted to do. We kind of, it's not exactly going rogue, but sort of is because we never checked in to ask, do you, what do you want me to do here? We never took the situation to him. How much peace and grace and mercy and favor and protection do we forfeit when we just don't take things to the Lord? Without the cross, without Easter, you and I, we don't have hope for this promise. Easter changed everything. And so I really do believe it should also keep changing things for us day after day after day until that day comes when we finally see our Savior face to face. The very end of verse 1 says, I shall not want. Believe this to be true, to be true for you. God does not want you living in a state of want, feeling alone, almost like an orphan status. He wants you to not want because he is taking care of you continually. He's not going to miss some critical thing and say, oops, my bad. That would be ridiculous. So don't live your life as if the ridiculous were reality because it isn't and it never will be. You shall not want because God says so. And because Jesus rose from the dead to finalize all of this for eternity. Verse two. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still still and quiet waters. Sometimes, some days, we need rest. Sometimes we don't even slow down enough to begin to recognize how badly we need rest. We need to take it easy. And guess what? Sometimes we don't want to. We want him to re-energize us, to keep doing more, keep pushing forward, keep on keeping on. But what if, you know, what if it's time to rest? What if it's time to be led by the still and quiet waters for a while? What if that's the season that the Lord has for you right now? I'm not talking about quit your job and go live like a monk up on a mountaintop somewhere. I'm talking about allowing yourself to have rest. There's a difference. We can be so driven and so go, go, go. And so addicted to our devices and um, so busy with all the things that we don't know how to rest anymore. It's, it's easy to be so used to being busy that we feel off when we slow way down. You know what I mean? It feels weird when you slow down because you're so used to the busy. But when God says that this is that time for you, may it be unto you as he desires. There's a time for every season under heaven, it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. And one of those times is going to be the green pastures and quiet waters that are talked about here in Psalm 23. Think of like peace, a peaceful time. Easter is the ultimate promise of peace, the ultimate peace accord, if you will, the only one that's going to last and stand the test of time. Be at peace this Easter because Jesus died to give you his peace. Verse three, he refreshes and restores my soul life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay, so whenever I run into the wall, like I hit the wall, I hit the wall and I'm just done and I need some restoring and refreshing. You know, I actually, I can have it. I can actually have it. God isn't offering it and then saying, na, 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 you can't catch me, na, 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 boo, boo, you can't have it. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. This is ours and it's continually ours. You're not going to use it up. Like if you have a need and then... 
not that long after you have another need. Oh, I can't, I can't access this. Oh, I can't. Oh man, I can't have it because I just had that one need not that long ago. No, no. Life is hard and the Lord knows that. And so he has made provision. That provision is the restoring and the refreshing. Easter reminds us that perhaps, uh, maybe even more than any other time of the entire year, perhaps the, the most clear time of the year for some of us, the only week or weekend or day of the year when we really, really, really understand that God has made total provision and that we have access to refreshing and restoration of our soul. Sometimes Easter is the only time we recognize that. Don't you think the Lord would love it if we knew that every day? Like every day? He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. When you and I bear his name, God doesn't forget that. He does things for his name's sake. How much less, like, I mean, I'm talking about a lot less, would the name of God be misused or even defiled if we really bore this in mind? That he leads us in the path of righteousness, not just because, and not really for our sake. It says it's for his name's sake. Couldn't we honor and glorify him more if we remembered that when he leads us that way, it's for his name's sake? He leads, so I need to follow that path of righteousness that he's leading me on. And that's the path he's going to lead us on. It's not going to be an unrighteous path ever, period. He leads, I follow. Because it's about his name, not mine. Would it be better for us if we thought about that more often? Do the right thing. Go the way he leads for his name's sake. You bear his name as a Christian. Why not pause and just kind of reflect on that this Easter? Look at what he did for you, for me. Can we not follow where he leads and realize when we don't follow, when we choose not to path to, I'm sorry, when we choose not to walk in paths of righteousness, that we don't represent our God properly, we're kind of slandering his name. Let him refresh you and restore you this Resurrection Sunday and also let him lead you where he leads. Will you follow? Verse four, even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort and console me. Jesus faced death on our behalf. And then he dealt death a final death blow. He faced it and he finished it. When you walk through those sunless places, remember how Jesus defeated death for you. When evil seems scary, don't give in. Don't give in not even to a smidgen of that fear because Jesus secured the victory at Calvary. He is with you. Literally, the spirit of the living God dwells within you. And so you do not need to fear. He has his rod to protect you. Let him fight off those enemies and those foes. And his staff, it's going to guide you. So when you feel that nudge, that tap of his staff to get you back on track, don't get annoyed or get your feelings hurt or any of that. Instead, be grateful that you get to experience your good shepherd's love and care and attention to all the details of your life and allow these truths to bring you comfort and to console you. Let him give you his consolation. It's a blessing to be bumped and reoriented by the staff of our risen king. Not everybody has that blessing. Rejoice in it. Thank him for it. It's a tremendous gift. And Easter ensures that gift for us. Verse 5, you prepare a table 
before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Sometimes right in the middle of the mess, he's going to have you sit down to a feast. Like a well-prepared meal, a well-set table right in the presence of your enemies. Sometimes God shows up and shows off and shows out by feeding us right where they, they being whoever your enemy might be, right where they can see it all. He is showing up and showing off and showing out in their sight. Let him do what he will do when he chooses to do it. Let him handle things. And often the way that he handles them, it will be surprising for us and surprising for our enemies. Didn't see that coming. Don't try to pretend that you don't have any enemies either. Like, just don't do that. You do. You do because you follow Jesus. And so you have a very real enemy and he has people and evil spirits that he manipulates into also being your enemies, right? I mean, don't pretend that Jesus is called to uh, love one another means you pretend that you have no enemies. That's not wise. That's not being wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. The innocent as a dove part is, I know who's behind this and it's Satan. I know that the Lord does not want me to have any hate or bitterness in my heart. The Lord doesn't want me to allow the sun to set on my anger. Yep, you know all these, all those things, right? That's being uh, wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove when you can let go of offense Forgive, 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 and then forgive some more and remember who the ultimate enemy is. But if you think you don't have any enemies, then you're not, you're not accounting for the fact that Satan hates you because Jesus loves you and you love Jesus. If you don't have any enemies, well, you know, you got to beware, Jesus said, when all men speak well of you. Beware when all men speak well of you. Jesus said those words. If you're living for him, you're going to have enemies, period. But let the shepherd handle things. Let him set that table for you to feast in their presence. Let him. It seems a little bit un-American. Let him. Let him. Be un-American if you need to be so that you can be all Jesus-y, if you know what I mean. And when he anoints your head with oil, when he refreshes you, when you're filled up to the tippy top and you have renewed vigor and a sense of purpose, thank him. And then do what he leads you to do. Your cup will overflow. It says will. Your cup will overflow. Easter is the perfect time to get blessed with an overflowing cup, isn't it? Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. Not some of the days of my life. All the days of my life. And I shall dwell forever in the house and in the presence of the Lord. Okay, that's like the big one. The kicker. The finale of the 23rd Psalm. Surely. Not maybe, there aren't a bunch of ifs here, surely, goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall, and shall means will, and will means will, follow you all the days of your life, all of them. Celebrate this promise this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday. And I say Easter because I want, man, I'm sure hopeful that the entire week of Holy Week has been one of celebration for you, and that even after next week, when we get back to um, that the post Easter season, I want you to celebrate the same way. I think the Lord does too. celebrate the promises that you have that have been fulfilled because of what took place at the resurrection. Then you're going to be living in his presence all your days when you're, when you're really, you can't be celebrating him 
and what he did and just with a heart filled with gratitude and be outside of his presence. I really don't think that you can be unless it's all just a show and you're fronting. But man, why would you even be listening to the podcast this long if you're just fronting? Like, because I don't play the fronting game and this would just annoy you and you would just skip to something else, right? Like, seriously, I know that if you're listening, you're listening because you really do believe and you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you want to love your neighbor as yourself. Look, that's the kind of overflow that believing this promise all of these promises from Psalm 23, that's the overflow that happens, right? Out of the, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Man, those are the words you're going to be speaking, encouraging words. It, I mean, powerful words, truthful words, and truth meaning the word of God is truth, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's just going to move you one day more into his presence, Right? And then the next day, one day more into his presence. And then eventually you're going to be in eternity and be fully in his presence. This is a really great way to live. And then you're going to dwell in the house and presence of your Lord forever. So this is as hard as it ever gets, my friend. Aren't you thankful that this life is the worst it'll ever be for those of us who know Jesus? That's Easter, my friend. Jesus rising from the dead makes this your reality now and forever. Lord, I just want to pray today that we would stay so near to you, that your people would stay so near to you, that we would just depend on you moment by moment and believe you for your every promise. Your goodness toward us knows no bounds, and we thank you for that. This Easter, this Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate you and you alone until we are blessed to be with you eternally when we'll never be apart from you but see you face to face. Until that day, May we just praise your name and live for you in this life, in the here and now. May we be an example of your love to a watching and hurting world. And may your kingdom come, Lord, and your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life and shedding your blood so we could live forgiven and free. We glorify you this Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I hope to see you back here next time. If this episode today was an encouragement to you or uh, you were blessed by it at all, I would be really honored. I'd just love for you to share it, and I hope to see you back here next time for episode 143. Have a wonderful, blessed Resurrection Sunday weekend. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day, and remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.